Exodus 8, 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. And the very bread is going to have frogs in it. I never had frog-flavored bread, but I don't think I want to. And the frogs shall come up both on thee and upon thy people and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thy hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause the frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched forth out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought frogs up, up upon the land of Egypt. I want you to understand that here. These are frogs, and not just frogs hopping on the ground, going ribbit. They're seeing one every five minutes. These are frogs in the beds, frogs in the kneading troughs where they're, they're, they're making their wine, where they're, they're cooking in their ovens. They're, they're, there's frogs everywhere. I wonder if that's where frog legs come from. I don't know, but it's still... Frogs everywhere. <laughs> uh, can you imagine frogs everywhere? I mean, slimy, disgusting little green frogs and toads. I mean, all over the place. You can't step without stepping on them and squishing them. Interesting. It's going to come into thine house, into thy bedchamber, upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. And the, the frogs shall come upon, come up both on thee and upon thy people and upon all thy servants. I find it interesting here that the magicians, again, the magicians did so with the, the frogs that they did with the blood. They duplicated it. They mimicked God, but they cannot reverse or rescind the frogs. God, God can raise the frogs up. God can have the frogs everywhere. Then God can remove the frogs. The magicians, the sorcerers, whatever they call themselves, they can mimic it, but they cannot reverse it. They cannot rescind it. How powerful of a magician are you if you cannot reverse what somebody else has done? It's quite funny how Satan can loosely imitate and people fall for it as equal to God. They're not equal because they can't stop it. They cannot end it. They cannot reverse it. They could not equal God. They could only be a pale imitation of him. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee, and for thy servants, and for thy people, to destroy the frogs from thee, and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only? Glory over me. It sounds a little innocuous, doesn't it? It does. Yet Moses is asking Pharaoh, in this simple statement, if he, Pharaoh, planned on taking the credit for God ending this, therefore Moses can say, 
I commanded the God that Moses that commanded Moses. Moses sees what's going on. Pharaoh is planning on asking and then taking credit for the removal of the plague. And Moses, no. Moses has not asked for the plague to be removed in the first one. He did not ask for the blood to be removed out of the water in the first one. But here, he has to ask Moses to take it away. The blood remained in the river for seven days, if you remember. Here, the, the frogs have to be physically removed. Moses, when he says, glory over me, Moses is making sure Pharaoh understands that he can ask but ultimately, it is God and God alone that decides if it is moved, that decides when it is moved, and that decides how it is removed. Not on Pharaoh's command, nor is it on Pharaoh's timetable. It is God who says when, where, and how. Period. Moses, or Pharaoh cannot take credit for that. Exodus 8.10. Moses speaking to Pharaoh again. He said, or Pharaoh says, uh, Tomorrow, Moses said, when do you want it done? Pharaoh says, tomorrow. And he said, be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from me, and from thy houses, and from thy servants, and from thy people, and they shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. He says, I want them removed tomorrow. Very vague. Doesn't say when, doesn't say how, just very vague. I want them removed tomorrow. Moses says, all right, sure, they're going to depart from thee, and from thy houses, and from thy servants, and from thy people. Moses does as Pharaoh asks, but God decides when, and God decides how. The frogs shall go back to the river, and they will remain there, and there only, and you will know there is none like unto the Lord God. God said that to Moses a couple of times now. What I find interesting is that the frogs died. They didn't hop back to the river. They died. God killed them. I don't think that's quite what Pharaoh had in mind. I'm guessing Pharaoh had more of a retreat for the frogs to get back to the river rather than dead frogs everywhere. Can you imagine smelling a dead frog and having to find it in your bed or in your closet? Interesting smell, don't you think? There are dead frogs everywhere. God chose when. God chose how. God is the Lord God, and there is none like him. So they gathered the frogs into heaps and heaps throughout the land, and once again, the land stank. If you remember correctly, if the rivers of blood made the land stink, they could not escape from it. And remember, there's no fans. There's no air conditioning. <laughs> they can't get somewhere downwind. Oh, my goodness. So just a few days after the blood of the waterways made all the land stink, once again the senses are assaulted. Can you imagine the croaking of all those frogs? Their ears were assaulted. Can you imagine 
the, the, the taste of the food with the frogs everywhere in it. Can you imagine the squish of the, of, of the frogs underfoot? Or if you go to lay down and a frog's there and you squish it, all of the senses are assaulted by this plague. I wonder, just a little curiosity here, I wonder which would have been the, 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 the bigger impact for Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Would it have been the bigger impact if God had had them all retreat to the rivers and to the waterways where he told them they would go? Or if it was a bigger impact that they all just died? I wonder which it is. Now I know the lingering effects of the heaps and heaps of frogs was a good reminder. God wants you to remember things. How many times did he have them build a memorial? But which would have had the bigger impact if they had just disappeared? I think, I think the way he did it had the bigger impact. Because it lingered for days. The smell, everything just lingered and lingered. When Pharaoh saw there was respite, he hardened his heart yet again. You know, it gives me pause. Is Pharaoh truly any more different than we are today? How often do we forget God, remove him from our lives, and then we have to pray and beg and plead for him to come in and work and then we forget him again. Are we really any different than Pharaoh? Pharaoh forgot the staff that became his serpent. He forgot the blood in the water. And now the frogs. Pharaoh's about to forget the frogs. God, on this next one, is going to raise the stakes. And he is going to make it so that he will know he is God. We're about to enter into a change. Each time now, there's going to be a difference. So pay attention, because each time it's going to be different. Not the plague being different, but the extent, the effect, the consequence, all going to be different. And the Lord said unto Moses, in 8.16, Say unto Aaron, stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod, and smote the dust of the earth. And it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice. But they could not. So there, uh, so there was lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Smite the dust of the land, and it might become lice. Dust is plentiful everywhere. I don't know if you've ever been to Egypt. I have. Dust is plentiful everywhere in Egypt. Can you imagine that if all the dust is to become lice, can you imagine the amount of lice in the land of Egypt? All the dust of the land in Egypt, and I can't stress that enough, enough in Egypt, go look at pictures, it's a lot of desert, a lot of sand, a lot of dust in Egypt, became lice in man and beast. Now, the magicians, they have kept up so far. They have kept up. They duplicated the blood. They duplicated the staff becoming a serpent. They duplicated the frog. They cannot duplicate 
the lice. They cannot duplicate God's work anymore. This one was beyond them. This one, in their words, is the very finger of God. Yet Pharaoh, seeing it all, hearing from the magicians and the sorcerers that they could not equal it, they couldn't duplicate it, they couldn't mimic it, he hardens his heart to what is going on in front of his very eyes instead of saying, this is God. Pharaoh hardens his heart. Now, God told us he's going to. Pharaoh, he has learned his lessons. He has learned time and again. And by learning, I mean he has seen, he has experienced. That's what learning is, seeing and experiencing. But Pharaoh has not yet comprehended the lesson. Comprehension is key in all learning aspects, isn't it? But I'm going to stress this one word, yet. So now we're going to get to the next plague. I believe that was, frogs was two, lice is three. Now we're going to get to four, plague number four in Exodus 8, 20. And the Lord said unto Moses, rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water and say unto him, thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. You have to wonder at this point if Pharaoh doesn't just hang his head and say these guys again when he sees them coming. You got to wonder if Pharaoh just doesn't go throw up his hands and goes, guys, come on, can I get a day off? He has to be tired of Moses at this point. He must be tired of the suffering. And don't forget the stench. He's got to be tired of smelling death throughout the land. It's got to be. Yet, we still have to play out another six plagues. Exodus 8.21 Else, if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee and upon thy servants and upon thy people and into thy houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. Now, remember I told you it's going to get different each time, right? Last time, the magicians could not duplicate the lice. This time, there's going to be another distinction made. 8.23, and I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. And the Lord did so. And there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. What's the distinction this time? He divides between the Egyptians and the Israelites in the land of Goshen. The Israelites are no longer going to be touched by the plagues. No more. God included them in the small ones. But not this time. So the first distinction started when they can no longer duplicate. God's getting serious. Now, his people, God's people, will no longer feel his wrath. It's going to be only the Egyptians and the Pharaoh who keeps hardening his heart. We are now getting deeper and deeper into the response and interactions between Moses and Pharaoh. Swarms of flies are going to come upon the Egyptians. Now the lice, they're all over the skin. Flies, they're everywhere. Frogs, they were everywhere. Swarms of flies. Have you ever heard them? They're loud. They are very, very loud. And there is nowhere a fly cannot get. 
Have you ever been in an area where you've seen a, a swarm of 15 or 20 flies just like a, a watermelon skin you threw out and flies are just everywhere all over it? You hear them long before you see them. Oh, this is flies in the house, flies in the bathroom. Well, you're trying to do your business. Flies everywhere. There's no comfort. There's no rest. There's no convenience. There's nowhere that you can get away from the swarms, the swarms of flies. In the bed, in the yard, in the everywhere. Yet here, we have the second distinction. God is going to make swarms. I, I, I say here that they're going to make swarms that are localized, but they're not localized. They recognize the boundary around Goshen. They recognize the area that the Creator has said they can be in, and they do not break His law. God has now drawn a line, and Pharaoh is clearly seeing the God of the Israelites. He is seeing the Israelites live plague-free. He's seeing that the magicians cannot duplicate it. He's seeing that not only can God do it, but God can make a distinction between where it's going to happen. That in and of itself is powerful. The swarms of flies, that's a major miracle. But the swarms of flies stopping at the border, <laughs> that's as unheard of. God has now drawn a line. The Israelites are plague free. Their land, their oxen, their, 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 their crops, not affected. Surely something of this magnitude and I'm not talking about the flies, the frogs, or the blood. I'm talking about the fact that the flies are not affecting the people of God. Something of that magnitude should have stopped him in his tracks and made him realize that God is the Lord God. There are no swarms of flies in the land of Goshen. Have you ever seen a fly that knew boundaries? Have you ever seen a fly that knew not to go into that room? No. Flies go everywhere, but God stopped them from going into the land of Goshen, where the Israelites are. God is no longer playing here. Pharaoh is not even bothering to call the magicians anymore. We are now in a battle of wills. And make no mistake, God is going to win. 